This is the Athletic Hockey Show. It is your Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's always great to be uh, in this chair. It's Ian Mendes, Sean McAdoo with you for, I don't know, about an hour or so. Get you set for the Stanley Cup final. Talk about some some coach and GM moves that are happening. Jesse Granger to tee up the Stanley Cup final uh, as the Golden Knights are back in. I love that tweet the other day of, way to go, Golden Knights fans, for sticking through the longest uh, drought in franchise right. history, the one-year yeah. drought. They stuck with the team through all the bad year. Yeah, that's that, that was the one. And I got to tell you, man, I just uh, all the other fan bases are thrilled for them. Oh, they just... Uh, the other 31 teams, boy, they uh they love the they love those Golden Knights. The Golden Knights went from plucky fun underdog story to we universally hate you yeah. within like 6 months of their existence. It, it was almost like okay, they won that first playoff round. They're like, "Okay, that's cool." And then like kind of when they got to the cup, I think we were all like, "Hang on here." Like how do we feel yeah. about this? How do you feel well, about this Buffalo fans? And, yeah. And, and and what happened? Like, let's let's be really clear. There was an expansion draft. There was a, like an expansion process. It was different than it had been in the past. At the time, when we saw the lists of who was going to be available, absolutely nobody looked at those lists and went, wow, great players available for Vegas. Uh, when the draft happened. And we found out what the Vegas Golden Knights were going to look like. Absolutely nobody thought that team was going to be good. If you say you did, you're lying. You yeah. could have got 500 to 1 odds on them to win the Stanley Cup on opening night. Uh, absolutely everybody thought they'd be terrible. Then when they turned out not to be terrible, a whole bunch of fans just retroactively decided that the whole thing was rigged and that, oh boy, I mean, of course, of course they were going to be good. They had William Carlson. How could that not be? It's total nonsense. And I am begging, I am begging other fan bases. Look, if you want to be, you want to be bitter about the success of another team, that's part of being a hockey fan. You're allowed to do that. But stop with this nonsense that anything was handed to Vegas that like, this expansion's process was, oh, it made it so easy for them. No, Show me the receipts. Show me you at some point in the summer of 2017 saying that this was going to be a cup contender, that they'd been handed a contender. Show me that, but you won't because nobody thought that. Uh, and I, 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 I'm all on board with bitterness and spite and all that stuff, but don't retcon a bunch of nonsense that wasn't the case. Because uh, it was only six years ago. Our memories are not that bad. I'm all on board with bitterness and spite. I love it. That should yeah. be your 100%. Bio. You don't need my permission for that. I mean, that. <laughs> but but just be mad at them. Just be like, be honest. This team has kicked my team's butt for six years, and I'm mad about it. Great. Yeah. That's all you need to say. Don't give me this nonsense about how the league, you know, rigged it because, oh, my God, they have Riley Smith. How How could, how could anybody defeat this team? Uh, that is so loaded with uh, with talent. Plus, I mean, it didn't make sense to to complain like that five years ago. But now, like I, I'm, I'm you know double checking the expansion. Was Jack Eichel on that? Was 
Mark Stone on that. Alex Pietrangelo. Like, yeah. Go on down the list. Like this team, there's like what five or six guys left from the expansion draft. Stop it. Stop it with the nonsense. Just just be angry because their team is better than yours and has been better run for six years. I mean, look, they're they're in the Stanley Cup final for the second time in six years. My team hasn't been there in 60. Okay. I don't need to make stuff up to be mad about. I can just be mad that uh, Vegas fans have gotten to enjoy hockey so much more than I have. That's it. Straight facts. Right yeah. there. You know what? Like, and plus, they've what I think is remarkable in their six-year history, they've had three different head coaches all kind yeah. of have some degree of success, right? Gerard Gallant. And at first we thought, wow, Gerard Gallant, he had the, the magic formula. Okay, but he mm-hmm. steps aside. Pete DeBoer did take them pretty far. They got to the conference final. And then they swap him out and they bring in Bruce Cassidy. And he does well. So it's like, yeah, three coaches, two GMs. Yes, a bunch of big blockbuster trades. I mean, you, you want to be mad about uh, about the Golden Knights. It has. It's not the expansion draft was a break. It's that they came in and they're doing all the things yes. that there's a good chance your team tells you can't be done. You know, we got to be patient. We can't make. Oh, trades are so hard in the salary cap era. We can't do it. Meanwhile, Vegas is out there like, ah, we're over the cap. Who cares? We're gonna go get Mark Stone. We're gonna go get Jack Eichel. They are, you know, they they fire coaches when they feel like their level of success hasn't happened. None of this, well, five-year plan, we need patience. He didn't get the full training camp to do all this stuff. They just keep doing all these things that, uh, you know, th- there's a very good chance your team keeps selling you on not being an option. Uh, and and now they're playing a team that has also done a bunch of that stuff. I mean, right? The Florida made the big, the big trade, the big coaching change, all of this stuff. Um, we're always saying it's a copycat league. It'd be nice from an entertainment perspective if these other 30 teams out there copied these two teams uh, and the big swings and the, you know, the, yeah. the aggressive moves that they've made. I'm not holding my breath. No, it's uh, it's a great point. They've both been aggressive and uh, it should be a, a fun set of cup. Like I said, Granger's going to drop by Jesse Granger. We'll, we'll tee it up with him because he's obviously on, on the inside. You had a great call in this week about Okay, you're one of the 30 teams that isn't in the Stanley Cup final. A rooting guide. Who should you cheer for if you are not a fan of the Vegas Golden Knights or the Florida Panthers? Now, I want to throw one thing at you because you did mention his name. You said, look, if you're an Ottawa fan, you're thinking of Mark Stone, you're mm-hmm. probably going to cheer for, for Vegas. You're like, except if you're Brady Kachuk because your brother plays for Florida. Let me float this out there as this might be the event of the summer will be Brady Kachuk's wedding. So Brady's getting married this summer. Okay. Uh, I am pretty sure that Mark Stone is in the wedding party and Matthew Kachuk is in the wedding party. Well, well. I'm like 99.9% sure on that. So you want to talk about, you know, split allegiances and whatever. Like, trust me, I know that Brady is pulling for Matthew. Mm -hmm. But it's not a bad consolation prize if the team that beats your brother is one of the the people that you respect the most in the world that took you under his wing when he came to Ottawa and and that's Mark Stone. But yeah, but, is that because I was gonna ask, because I mean Mark Stone's been been gone for a while now. How much overlap did those two so players St- have? Brady lived with Mark Stone his rookie year. Okay. Mark brought him in. They and then Brady was renting out uh Stone's house here in Ottawa. Uh, uh-huh. for the longest time. Anyway, it is a very close relationship, but wouldn't that be a fun, like, so no matter how this plays out, imagine that bachelor party 
or that yeah. that wedding reception, all of that. Like, wouldn't wouldn't have, that be great? We've we've all been like in a wedding party where you're like, oh, I don't really like that. Yeah, you know, there's like a fantasy yeah. football trade that went bad or something. This would be uh, th- this would really be something. Now I hope those two end up mixing it up in the final. Oh, that's can, uh, can you imagine? That's what I want to see. It's time for the vows, and, and whoever wins the cup, and the other guys are like, "Hey, that's what a ring looks like." Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, what, which one? Uh, yeah, who, who has the ring? Well, uh, yeah, not this well, guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what. But but did you have a hard like put that column together? What was the team that you had the hardest time trying to figure out? Like who yeah, should the, they pull for? And, and look, we want to make this very very clear. This is a very tongue in cheek. No, not at all. Column. It's mandatory. If I <laughs> yeah. pick the wrong team and it, you're mad about it, too bad. You have to cheer for that team. Um, or you have to go on Twitter and yell at me about uh, about how I got it wrong for you. Yeah, no, it's 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 partly, this is something I do every year, and it's partly an exercise in just finding the links to the various teams. You know, that a lot of a lot of teams, there's an ex-player, maybe an ex-coach, an ex, you know, an executive, some sort of connection, some sort of reason uh, that maybe you haven't thought of as a fan. That's, uh, you know, that's that's really what I'm looking for. And yeah, some teams are easier than others. I, I think that the two that I, I ended up almost punting on, and maybe you can fill me in here, maybe you've got an idea. Um, I, Chicago, couldn't really think of much of anything for them. And then Detroit was another one that was weird. And I ended up with Detroit going like, look, they, the coach and the GM both came from Tampa. So was it a battle of Florida type thing? I don't know. Do you you just root against the team in your division? Yeah, exactly. So uh, those were, those were the two that kind of stood out above the others as like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I got anything here. So, but Hey, you're going to, you say you're going to do all 30 teams. You got to do all 30 teams. Yeah. Boy. Like, yeah. Chicago. I mean, Chicago just feels like they're still basking in the glow of Connor. Yeah, they don't. They're like, they're, they're, I ended up so, using sorry, there's a cup final now. Is that I use their you? section yeah. just to, uh, to, to, uh, talk about something. And I mentioned this in a few places this week, but I'm just so excited about it. The, uh, the Sean Thornton factor yeah. here. Yeah. That former, former Blackhawk briefly, but you know, been played for a whole bunch of different teams. Uh, most notably Boston, Beloved tough guy, you know, very popular player in in Boston for sure. Sean Thornton, uh, not not surprisingly, is working for the Florida Panthers. Lots of ex players work for teams. Uh, yeah. Sean Thornton finished his career with the Florida Panthers, so the fact that you know he he would be scouting or coach or something isn't. But Sean Thornton is not doing that. Sean Thornton is the chief revenue officer of the Florida Panthers. Yeah. Make your own jokes about the revenue for the Florida Panthers, but that's a re- that's an executive job. That's a C-suite, uh, yes. big time, real job that this dude has. I did not know that Sean Thornton was you know to the point where uh, when I first saw that on the list, I, I went looking for some old players. I'm like, oh, Sean Thornton, and then I saw the job, and I was went, ah, that's a different Sean Thornton. Clearly, I mean, it's not that uncommon a name, but you click on it, and there he is. There, there's good old smiling Sean Thornton. Everyone apparently he missed the memo that all you got to do is like just show up, sit in a couple of press boxes, schmooze a little bit, call yourself a scout. No, this dude's out there doing the uh, doing the real job, and uh, good for him. Yeah, chief revenue officer. <laughs> chief Thornton. revenue officer, man, you're. If, if if your job starts with a C, it's a pretty good job. And uh, I, unless you're a coordinator, right? Sometimes if you're like a 
coordinators or columnist right? i guess would be the other one columnist that's that's low coordinator. Down. yeah that's the the sea level um so we got the cup starting on saturday usually nhl commissioner gary bettman has a um i call the state of the union type of press conference right leading mm-hmm. into the cup and i'm thinking man gary's gonna have a lot of questions coming his way from the situation i'm monitoring in ottawa to uh you know possible what's happening with the coyotes to expansion the never-ending expansion talk of you know all these all these things here's my question for you here's my question for the listeners as well because i know what my, my question would obviously be about the senator's sale process so i i'll remove myself from the conversation because my my question would be obvious if you had one question to ask gary bettman on saturday and i'll give you the caveat just before you ask him the question, you get a vial of truth serum. You get to inject him. Oh, with the truth okay. Serum. All right. Yeah. See, so because uh, otherwise, you know, you're gonna you get a song and dance. Little, but I'm gonna allow blow you dart to, from you, the you, back row of the a blo- right into yeah. the neck. Yeah. And uh, it gives you 60 seconds of unabashed uh, truth, unfiltered, unvarnished truth. What do you ask? You wow. get one question to Gary Bettman that he cannot lie. What are you asking him? Boy, oh boy. That's, uh, yeah. You know what? I think I, I'm asking him, I'm saying like, look, man, I want to see all of these fan surveys that you keep pulling out, <laughs> telling you what a great job you're doing about how we all love the digital ads and we all love everything all the time. And we love the loser point and we love offside reviews. I want to see those surveys. I want to see what, uh, the, please produce those, uh, if they exist. At which point he would then have to say, no, they don't exist. I'm making them up. Uh, or they are some like incredibly uh, small sample of whatever that I'm, I'm just picking and choosing the answers to tell me what I want to hear. But I, I, yeah, I would want to see those. I'm, I'm still uh, looking for uh, anyone who wants to leak me that data. Go ahead. But uh, strangely enough, nobody has yet. Hmm. That's, you know what? That is a good one. That is a really good one. because. You're right. Sometimes when he says that, you're like, okay, this this isn't passing the smell test. We've all look. We, we've if if you've worked in you know the, the different real world jobs, you know that like we've we've all seen that where the boss is like, oh, you know the uh, you know you you put a product out there and you know the product isn't great, and the boss is like, oh yeah, customer uh, surveys say that they love it. And you yeah. sit there going, no, they don't. What did you do? Like, what's your customer survey? You talked to one guy on the bus this morning. Like, there's no way. But this is this is what, you know, real leaders want to know the truth. Other leaders just want to be told what they want to hear. So I that would probably be my pick. But then the the obvious, I mean, if I really got the truth serum, the other thing you got to ask him is like, what describe this scenario that would make you give up on Arizona at this point? Because I think we would all love to hear. Yeah. Is it literally nothing? Could they just be playing in someone's driveway uh, at some point, and you know that that's that's it? We just play till the streetlights go on, or is there is there a scenario where you will actually um, pull the shoot on this thing? I, I I think we'd all love to hear that, if only just to see how convoluted it would have to get before he admitted defeat. W- would you ever try to get some clarity or truth on? whether or not lotteries have been rigged 
Like, or do you just think, or do you, do you, do you just think that that is honestly, it's such a stupid conspiracy theory. You wouldn't waste your one question on that. I I wouldn't. And again, it's not that I'm not cynical. It's not that I, I think that these guys are above. Uh, Look, Connor McDavid went to Edmonton. That's it. That's the end of the conspiracy. (laughs) Like there is no way. And I know Oiler fans hate this. Connor McDavid is a great player. I'm sure he loves it in Edmonton. I'm sure he'll be there his whole career. Connor McDavid going to the Edmonton Oilers costs this league millions and millions and millions of dollars versus if he had gone to some big U.S. market or even had gone to a bigger Canadian market or anything like that. Uh, you know, on your list of teams that you, that the league, purely from a financial point of view, would want Connor McDavid to go to, the Oilers would probably be like 28th out of the 30 teams at, at that point. So um, the fact that he went there is strong evidence that this league is not rigging anything. And I know people go, well, eight years later, Connor Bedard, they're not, they're not rigging anything for that. Yeah. Well, anyway, hit us up in the comment section of the podcast or even an email, athletichockeyshow at gmail.com. Wouldn't you also one- love to ask him, give us 60 seconds, give us your real unvarnished opinion of the officiating that you've got right Ooh, now. Yeah, yeah. See, I... I well, Best I, in the world, Gary? Really? I feel like probably not. Or or do you think, would you like to get his true thoughts on Chris Chelios's threat to him in the lockout <laughs> yeah, of 1994-95, where Chris Chelios basically, like, not even low-key yeah. threatened, like, straight-up threatened Gary oh, yeah. Bettman? Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't like a thinly veiled. There was, yeah. there was no veil. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be a good one. I'd also love to know the behind the scenes of his first cup presentation in Montreal in '93, where he came out and like pulled out the little gum wrapper and started reading French off of it. Like, yeah. how did that come to be? Yeah, who, who handed you that? Montreal. Yeah, how much? How much time did you spend practicing the French? Like, did you yeah. feel good about it going uh, out? Did you feel like good uh, enough, or was it uh, what was happening with the haircut that year? No, I, the, I don't know. That hair There's, was fresh, though. He was he was young. Yeah. He was like forty. He was like, remember I told you this? We are now older. You and I are yes. now older than Gary Bettman was. Gary when Bettman he took was over like, as commissioner was like forty three <laughs> when he handed out his first two cups. Uh, then the lockout happened. And then he came back the next in '95 as a 58 year old, and has <laughs> yeah. been that for the net for the last 20 years. He hasn't aged yeah. since. I mean, no. he's it's. But I, I don't know how. It's it's like they just cast a new actor to play him uh, during the break in '95, and this is it's it's been the same ever since. The Simpsons characters age more than this guy since '95. Yeah. He did it all. He packed all the aging into two years. Yeah. It's uh, it's not so. Look, I, my like I said, my question to Gary on Saturday would be, hey, like, how is this taking? Why is this taking so long in Ottawa? How is it taking so long? Do we have any clarity here? But my question would be coming, Sean, from Italy, because I am headed out as soon as, in fact, as soon as the, I hit stop on this podcast, mm-hmm. I am uh, on route with my wife to Italy. Uh, You're wearing the, the little hat now. and the scarf and everything right now. Right now, yeah, I know. Uh, I thought that was a little much. Uh, yeah. yeah a little much um but here's my predicament and i hope people understand this and i think you as a writer will understand the challenge of this and i i know you have done this before where you kind of have to have multiple scenarios written maybe it's for a game seven or you know you kind of have two columns going simultaneously like okay here's the positive column here's the negative. you know we, we've all done that right as writers kind of mm-hmm. multiple columns at the same time 
I have a quadruple header going right now. Okay. I have literally four, uh, because I'm leaving and I'm gone for about 12 days, whatever it is, 10, 12 days. And I really have no intention of looking for Wi-Fi in Italy Mm -hmm. uh, to update this story. So I have to be as precise as possible now in advance, which means having to write four potential stories for insert name here has secured the bid to buy the senators. You know, what do we know about them? What do we know about their bid? What four of them? I and 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 three of them are gonna go right to the recycle bin or the whatever the trash bin and the folder. And one of them will live. Well, what we should do with those is we should don't recycle it, print them out and like send them to the same villages that get like the the wrong Super Bowl winner shirts. Yeah. Like you know, you always hear that exactly. or like the hats or whatever. Print them out. I'm sure they would enjoy reading some uh uh some Ian Mendez coverage about how uh, this or that bid actually now owns the Senators. So send them along with like your 2020 Dallas Stars Stanley Cup exactly. champion hats. Yeah. Like, you know. 100%. Do they still do that? Like, I remember that I was like know. a real Probably thing in the not. 80s. Yeah, that may, right? that in the may 80s be like and a 90s. 20 or 30 year old reference by me, but. Uh, yeah. In the 80s and 90s, they would print. I don't know. What was the rush? Like, why were well, they like. What was yeah, the rush? I, that's have? a good point because they were like, I mean, they they clearly print them for the players. You know, yeah, so that's being, fine. So they, but I mean, we're it wasn't like twenty Super Bowl hats being sent down. It was, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know why you would print those off. Like what? What, what was the rush? And the other, you know what? You just unlocked another memory of mine. Do you remember in the early nineties? So if you're old enough, like probably thirty five and over, over certainly forty and over, you'll remember this fad in the late eighties early 90s, you would buy, t- let's say your favorite team was the Pittsburgh Penguins in the early 90s. And they would sell these t-shirts and it would be cartoon characters of every player on the team. And it'd be like Mario Lemieux and there's Yager mm-hmm. and there's, yep. w- do you remember that fad of like cartoon shirts of like teams of the early 90s? Yeah, that was good times for our nation's hey. caricature artists. But uh not uh, you don't really see that as much anymore. It's the golden age of newspaper and caricature artists was like nineteen eighty-eight yeah, to ninety-three. Giant Tim Hunter nose poking out from the eighty-nine flames, and yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Little tiny Theo Fleury. Uh, it was uh, it was yeah. good times. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that, that anyway, this is my predicament. Is I am uh, writing multiple stories, and so as we're re- recording this uh, late in the morning on Thursday, I. Only thing I, I want to tell people is I my belief is every one of the bids that are on the table are still alive. And and that Man. like this is the fascinating thing to me. I would have figured there would have been some whittling down process. You go from four to three or three to two or what what whatever it is, that you would have been down to two. But I'm telling you definitively that as of you know, yesterday, Wednesday, late at night. And I had a line into, you know, three different camps. Uh, three of them all felt like uh, we're pretty confident we could come out with this thing. They, and so they haven't been told. No, hey, it's not you. It's not you. It's me. No, no, they haven't. Yeah. They haven't. They haven't said anything. So so what is going on here? Because I don't, there, there's and and I don't know. I'm, I mean, obviously, say what you can say, but they, there, there's all these kind of re- not even reports, but 
feels like there's a lot of offhand comments out there that this is Innuendo. maybe going off the rails a little bit or that there's some, I, you know, whatever it was at Elliot or one of the insiders said something yeah, about, I, boy, I, I hope somebody I, writes a book about this. Yes, and I, I, I do agree with that. Like, like, look, here's the thing on Elliot. I, I think Elliot is one of the most plugged in. Like, I see people saying Elliot Friedman is out of touch on this one. Elliot is, guys, have we guys. not learned by now Elliot Friedman doesn't make stuff up? Like, I, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't believe that he does. Um, I think his, uh, his comments earlier this week are in line with what I'm hearing from some people. Now, I want to make this clear. Not everybody I've connected with thinks that this is a gong show. Not everybody. But certainly there's a handful of people that I think are frustrated by the process. Frust Let me put it this way. When this ends at some point, there are going to be at least two, if not three groups that don't get the team that feel like they were played. That either they were strung along uh, for the for the purposes of jacking up the price, mm -hmm. strung along and made to believe that they were the bidder and they weren't, whatever. Somebody is going to be angry. But I don't know that the... Anyway, and, and that's why I do think that there is a book to write because I think there's some really interesting things happening behind the scenes. I think, like, I, I almost wish I could just take a screenshot of the Slack messages I send my editor. And okay. my editor, she's in Vancouver. And... I will send her notes sometimes. I, and I, I love the fact that I can send her a note at, you know, 12 at night, midnight, my time, because it's 9 PM for her. And, and I'll say like, you're not going to believe this. This is what I'm hearing. And like, she'll be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I said, I know. I said, but we can't go with this because I can't get this multiply sourced. Like, like I'll give you a great example. And I won't, I won't say the bitter that uh, this was in relation to. Somebody who I would say, Sean, has been an A plus A1 source for me in this entire process told me this week without a hint of doubt that a certain group had pulled out. He said, I'm telling you, they're out. They're not bidding on the team anymore. They've taken their ball and they're going home. I'm like, holy smokes, this is a huge story. I spent six hours chasing this thing. Turned out there's a lot of chatter about that, but it never, I couldn't verify them. This is what's going on in the background. Like, 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 and, and you know what I think is going to happen? I think if there's not an announcement before Saturday and Gary goes to the press conference in Vegas and somebody asks about the process, I, I, my one prediction will be he will take a shot at the media coverage around this and say that there's been inaccurate reporting, unfair mm -hmm. reporting. And my question would be, okay, just tell the, Somebody needs to, if I, if I have been inaccurate, untruthful, or misleading in my reporting, I would re sincerely hope somebody involved in the process would have reached out to me at some point and said, hey, man, you are off base. You mm -hmm. are wrong. And nobody has done that to me yet. I can't speak for other reporters involved in the process if there's been that. But that's my prediction. I think we're going to yeah. see Gary say, well, it's, uh, you know, there's been a lot of un... Which is nonsense. You you can't go cone of silence been... on a huge story, create this vacuum, and then clutch pearls when it turns out that some information or speculation filters out that isn't exactly the way that you would oh, want it. That's a, I, I, but... I got something for you. Okay. Kyle Dubas has been named president of hockey operations of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Just now? Just now. Wow. Kyle Dubas right. has been named. Uh, this is from Penguins Inside Scoop, the Twitter account that uh, is associated with the uh, 
uh, Penguins PR department. Kyle Dubas has been named president of hockey operations. He will oversee all aspects of the Penguins hockey operations department, including establishing the strategic vision and philosophy mm, for the franchise. Not the GM. Welcome, uh, president of hockey ops. Correct. President of hockey ops, not a GM, which implies that he will be hiring a GM. Ooh. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting, so, and I got to say, you know what? It it sounds like we just did a hard 180 on our topic, but I don't think we really did because, the, you know, to, to state the exceedingly obvious, he's going to Pittsburgh means he's not going to Ottawa. Uh, I got to tell you, as a Leaf fan, A, I'm happy for him. Um, B, I'm happy he's not in the division and he's not with that good young Ottawa team because uh, that was, uh, that was something I think a lot of us Leaf fans were, uh, were getting a little concerned about. So good for him. And yeah, we're going to bring Jesse Granger in here. A statement from the Penguins organization. Kyle has proven himself as a forward thinking hockey mind embodies all of the qualities, integrity, intelligence, and an unwavering commitment to building a winning culture that we value in a leader. At the Pittsburgh Penguins. So there you go. A little, I love to break news like that. I know it's a podcast, and by the time people listen to this, it won't be breaking news, but I mm-hmm. actually could see the look on your face yes. when Kyle Dubas was that named was, uh, president. That was Hockey big. Games. I've been waiting on that news all week, and uh, and and there you go. And and you know what? The interesting thing on that is I was, and this is why I this is why I think Ottawa, there has to be something this week. The NHL does not like news like this to come out during the cup. Like once game one, once that puck drops with yeah. Stanley cup, they prefer, which the is so bigger stupid, but I know it's dumb, but, but they do. And that's why you saw true living to Toronto this week. That's why you're seeing Dubas. That's why you saw Andrew Brunette. That's what there's a little bit of a race. I think, because if you don't do it now, chances are, you got to wait 10 days. Oh, Ch- I'm not saying it's a hard and fast rule. I'm just saying that's their preference. Yeah. That's all. Anyway, all right. and, and by the way, we, we should just say real quick, as we're recording this, we're a half an hour away from Brett Living's introductory press conference in, in Toronto. So we, we're talking about him as the GM, but who knows? He might say something that makes Brandon Shanahan and the Leafs organization completely change their minds about oh. who should be GMs. I mean, that has wow. not, I know that would be, that would be crazy. It would be insane to make that decision and then based on a press conference, change your mind. But uh, it it could happen, so we're still uh, we're still going to wait and see on that one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, so there we go. From that uh, breaking news about uh, Kyle Dubas to uh, the Stanley Cup final, where Jesse Granger 
uh, is uh, all set to cover game one of the cup final in about 48 hours from now. It is Vegas. It is Florida. It is Granger Things. Brought to you by uh, BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner with the Athletics. So uh, set the scene for us, man. Set the scene. Uh, it's not like Vegas hasn't been to the cup before. They have. So, But what's what's the what's the, what's the feeling like in, in Vegas right now? A lot of excitement. Um, I, I wrote about it for a piece this morning that it, it does feel a little bit like five years ago um, in that it's, it's not the same like that. Nothing will ever be like that first season. Um, it was incredible. The, the expansion team going to it. And it was just everything was so new. The city had never had a pro sports team. So everything was so new. Everything was so like big. Every little moment felt huge. The practices back then were so full that they had to start giving people numbers outside the building like the DMV before. And you would have to show up like however many hours before the practice to get your number. That way you could get in. Now, They've been attended throughout the last five years. There are, pe- there are people at practice every day, but the practices are back to being full now. Um, I don't think they're, they're handing out numbers outside yet, but the practices are full. So we're talking five, six, seven hundred people um, are packing the stands for practices. Uh, I'm about to head to one here in a little bit, and I'm sure it'll be full. So that kind of reminds me of, of year one. And then... The rest of the city is just buzzing. I mean, everybody is kind of jumping. Like it's it's it definitely feels like the city is excited for this. Uh, Caesar's Palace. I was driving by the other day. They've got the Julius Caesar statue has the Golden Knights jersey on, um, and he's holding a hockey stick, <laughs> the, the actual statue out front. So um, everywhere you look, it's Golden Knights stuff. The city's excited. There's definitely a different feel with the team. Um, a lot of guys said that they felt like last the the year one they didn't really appreciate what they were doing and 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 how hard it was going to be to win it once you got there and this year Jonathan Marshall specifically was saying guys on the ice in Dallas after winning the conference final they were all saying like all the guys that were here year one the six the six original players that are still here were saying okay but we still have four more wins to get and like that's part of the reason they didn't touch the trophy and all that superstitious stuff but yeah it's 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 a different feel on the team for sure because it feels like last time they were just kind of riding a wave and it was all just happening this time they they feel like they missed an opportunity last time and and there's a lot of focus on the team we've we've talked a few times this year on the podcast about the revenge game uh is this a revenge final for Jonathan Marshall, so like, is this uh, and, and is he embracing that? Does he not want to talk about it? Is he, you know, did, does he still have a chip on his shoulder from six years ago, or is that water under the bridge? I thought you were going to ask me about uh, Nick Cousins' revenge game on the Golden Knights. Um, no, <laughs> that too. Yeah. No, yeah. it's so so for Marshall so and Riley Smith, they were teammates in Florida, and they were they basically were both sent to go, the Golden Knights on the same day. Jonathan Marshall so was the expansion pick. Florida worked out a deal with Vegas to take Riley Smith because they wanted to unload his contract, which looking back seems insane. But I think there's a little bit of a chip for both of those guys. Um, I haven't talked to Jonathan about it yet. But we we only saw him after after the game six win in Dallas, and we haven't spoken since. Um, I'll probably talk to him today after practice. But knowing Jonathan Marshall, so he for sure is going to have that chip on his shoulder because that's just how he is. This guy has a, he, he has a chip on his shoulder right now from the foosball game he lost yesterday at the practice facility. Like he that's just how he is. Um, he is a fiery, fiery competitor. That's how you 
get where he is from the path he took. I mean, it took him a long time to get to the NHL. It was a very long, windy path, and he his his competitive fire is, makes up for his lack of size. I'll put it that way. Um, dude is an enforcer in front of the net at uh, generously listed at 5'9". I do not think he's 5'9". Um, but yes, I think he will have a chip on his shoulder. Riley Smith, probably not as much. He's mo- a little more diplomatic. He's a little more cool-headed kind of guy. I don't expect him to still be thinking about something six years ago, but he wants to have a big final, and he hasn't played at his highest level in these playoffs, so um, I'm sure he wants to do better. It, it should be fun. I don't I don't know how much uh, revenge, though, there is. You, you know, I thought it was an interesting quote. I'm trying to find it. You, we, we could just paraphrase it here, but uh, anytime a, a coach kind of has to, you know, walk back a comment or apologize to an entire organization and a fan base, I think it's it's interesting, and that is Bruce Cassidy, uh, who basically, uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, so Cassidy, a couple of days ago, says, uh, we have 24 giveaways. I'm not sure you're beating the Arizona Coyotes in January with 24 giveaways. It's no disrespect to Arizona. It's just not the right way to play. Then he, he walked, circled back and said, look, I, I'm sorry. Dumb thing to say. Reached out to the Coyotes, apologized in person. Here's my question. Do you guys appreciate the honesty, though? Like, 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 should the Coyotes take offense? Like, should you really be offended if you are the Coyotes or like, shut up. The, people is, just, and, yep. Like hundred percent enough, enough with this. Like it was a completely harmless comment. That's what yes. I thought. If I thought you, it was if harmless. If he wants to, appa- like, if he wants to say like, it, there's an next press conference, like, Hey, I shouldn't have said that. Fine. But this, like, I had to reach out to the Coyotes. Get out of here. What happened to this league? I completely oh, agree. When Cassidy said it yesterday, I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? If the kite, like, if you, if you don't want to be the team that gets used off the top of someone's head as an example of a bad team you're not going to beat, don't be such a bad hockey team. Um, I, I totally agree with Sean that it, when he said it, I tweeted it out and it blew up. I mean, it, yes. it was huge. I did not expect tweeting it out. I thought that's a funny comment and it kind of shows how frustrated he is with this team right now. I'll send it out. I did not think. It was going to be something he was going to have to apologize for at all. That never crossed my mind. And I didn't expect the I got a text from Craig Morgan the next morning who covers the Coyotes like saying, man, Coyotes Twitter is fired up this morning. I'm like, really? For that Good. tweet? Great. Like- and, that, and that's cool, too, right? Like, let's uh, you remember when Vegas came in, everybody was like, oh, we're going to have this desert rivalry. And, right. and it never happened. It's and, and they're in different divisions now and all this. Great. So let, let's fire it up, man. I this is it it's just this thing that we do where we we all somehow have two thoughts in our mind number one hockey players are the toughest people in the world they are warriors oh these guys are so tough but also literally anything can hurt their feelings yes and we must avoid that at all costs get out of here i thought it was a i thought i thought i had no issue at all uh with anything other than him reaching out to the team to apologize get out of here Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me, I, 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 I get, I get a question serious. sort of on the, you know, maybe on the mental toughness side of it or, or something else, but this is, um, I, I, I love this segment because Jesse, you're my, you're my goaltender. You're my goalie whisperer here. Okay. Um, the biggest story of the playoffs, I would argue so far has been Sergei Bobrovsky, a guy who, as we have discussed for weeks now, has not been very good in Florida at all. For, for four years now, now he's on the all-time heater. He, he is just absolutely, you know, 
uh, almost not quite single-handedly, but dragging his team to the Stanley Cup final. But also, he's going to go into this final having had 10 days off. So walk me through the mindset of, of what it means to be hot as a goalie, and should we expect it to continue? Is 10 days off just a total reset on this? Like, should we expect old Sergey back, or, or how does this work? How do you stay hot when you're not facing live fire in 10 days? So I'll start by saying, in my personal experience, I don't have much in terms of being a hot goalie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Very rare, few and far between. But okay. I will say, like, to be honest with you, and I don't know if this is just because I'm not very good, but when I have games that I'm the hot goalie where nothing's going in, it honestly feels like I'm doing the same things I'm always doing and the puck's just hitting me. Like it feels like, well, some games they, they pass that one timer across and I slide across just like that, but the guy puts it over my glove. This time he put it into my glove and I made a windmill save and everyone on the ice is going crazy. And it's like, you don't feel like you're doing anything all that different. I will say you, the confidence allows you to skate out a little more. I do. I think that's a real thing with goalies. I think confidence when you're playing confidently, you play a little more at the top of your crease. You just feel like I'm going to make this save and you're not backing into your net as much because when you lose confidence, you don't trust yourself. You feel like you're going to be out of position. You, you start to back into your net and the further back into your net, the more the shooters have to shoot at. It's just, it's never going to result well if you're, if you're, if you're deeper in your net than you're used to. Um, so I think the days off are going to be for all the players on the Panthers, like we've talked a lot about the rust and like everyone in Vegas is kind of wondering what the Panthers will look like with the rust. I think if anyone will be affected by it, it's Bobrovsky for sure. He is the guy that I would be most concerned with. And then the other thing that I think is going to be interesting in this series is I think you've got a hot goalie who's playing out of his mind versus a team that plays in a fashion in the Golden Knights that has not allowed goalies to look good in these playoffs. Um, their shooting percentage in the playoffs is higher than any team in the play. And we're talking even teams that only played four or five games in the playoffs. They have, they're shooting at 11.8% right now in the playoffs, which is the highest in the league. And I don't think it's because they've got a bunch of snipers. I think it's because the volume of shots isn't there for this team. They play a lot of defense because they play that zone defense that kind of creates a shell and they let you hold on to the puck around the zone. Dallas was out shooting him almost every game and Jake Ottinger isn't facing a volume of shots. And then when he does face a shot, the Golden Knights have kind of been sitting back, sitting back. Then they get a, a, a counterattack and it's a two on one with Eichel and Marsha. So and they bury it and it, they just don't allow you to get a lot of easy saves and a lot of and, and to, to feel good about yourself. We saw it in the first round. Connor Hellebuck on one end, Laurent Bressois on the other. This is a mismatch. It wasn't, though. Laurent Bressois outplayed him in every statistical category because Hellebuck didn't have very high save percentage in any of those games because he didn't face the volume. Second round, Skinner, you can argue if he's an elite goalie or not. But then the third round, Jake Ottinger has been phenomenal for the Stars, and he gets outplayed by Aiden Hill in just about every game in that series. And I think a big part of it is just the the way the Golden Knights create offense and the lack of volume. So if Sergey doesn't have a good start to this series, I think the 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 heat, the heater he's been on can cool off real quick. Uh, final question for you here to wrap it up. As I know, like you, you said, you got a busy uh, week ahead of you here and, and you got practice. One of the questions, though, that we got asked in our athletic uh, writers survey leading into the cup 
And I'm going to ask each of you this question. Sean, I'll ask you about the Panthers, but Jesse, obviously, I'll ask you about the Golden Knights first. One of the questions we had was, uh, after the captain gets the Stanley Cup, so in the case of Vegas, it would be Mark Stone, and they win the Stanley Cup, who does he hand it to first? So I'll start, Jesse, if Vegas wins, Stone gets the cup, he does his little twirl, he turns around, who does he hand that cup to? This is such an interesting question because when I read it on there, I figured like in my head, I was like, well, I'll have an answer, an obvious answer. And then the more I think about it, there are like seven guys that I think could yeah. be the answer for Vegas. It is not an easy question to answer. Um, I ended up voting Marcia so on there, um, partially because of what I said earlier. His road to the NHL, the dude fought tooth and nail to get to the NHL. And he's a well-liked guy in the locker room. He's an original player that's been here since the beginning. And I think everyone in that room appreciates what he's been through. I think winning the cup means more to Marcia so than it does to some other players. I'll put it that way. Then... There's also Riley Smith, who's an alternate captain. So, so like a lot of the times, the 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 alternate captains will are your are your kind of automatic. Give it to them. I don't think it's going to be Petrangelo, who's who wears the A. He already has a cup. I think Petrangelo is going to be way down the list. I think he's going to let most of the guys who haven't won a cup before get it before he does. So I think he's down the list. But Riley Smith is the other A. He's also an original guy. It wouldn't surprise me if Stone hands it to Riley Smith. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me if it's Eichel. I I. I'm a little less has less convinced on that one just because how young he is. But the fact that he's been so good for this team, he could be the consummate favorite for them. I could see it being Eichel. Um, the 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 guy that nobody thinks of, if you ask this to like nationally to people that don't watch the Golden Knights every day, that I think has a legitimate chance to be the first one is Braden McNabb. Mm. He is an original guy. He is super, super well liked in the locker room. He's one of the nicest guys on the team. He is the underrated underappreciated anchor on the back of that defense that really holds this team together that's been here from the very beginning. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Braden McNabb gets it, but he's he's a guy that like nobody would think of like a Marsha so or something. So um, there are a lot of options. And, and if they do, yeah. win it, I will be fascinated to see who gets it. Yeah. And so, Sean, I'll, I'll put you in the role of uh, Panthers guy here. And Sasha Barkov has accepted the cup. He turns around. Who gets it next? So here's the thing on this. A lot of people think that there's an obvious answer for Florida, and maybe there is, and that would be Sergei Bobrovsky because you've got a guy, he's, yeah. you know, A, very good chance he wins the con Smythe if Florida has won the Cup. Um, yeah, obviously, crucially important. He's an older guy. He's 34, has never won a Cup, um, has been in Florida, has, you know, for not, not, for a ton of time, but has been there for a while. Obviously, some ups and downs, more downs than ups, all of that stuff. So he seems to check all the boxes. Here's the thing. There has never, in the history of the NHL, been a handoff from the captain directly to the goalie. It's just never happened. Goalies what? Ever? don't That's, sho that's get, shocking to me. They, they well, never... Are you serious? The only time Jeez. that a goalie has ever been the first player to get the cup after the captain was Dominic Hasek in 2002, and that was the year that I, uh, they gave it to Scotty Bowman first. So Bowman did his, his little lap, and then it went to Dominic Hasek. And I think there had been a couple, I think Tim Thomas and one of the Martin Brodeur years got it third, and that's it. Like, goalies just don't get anywhere, and I don't know why that is, uh, but for whatever reason, now, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, I mean, you could change that tradition with one handoff. 
But people who think it's, you know, it's an obvious thing for Bobrovsky, it's never happened before. So my pick when we did that survey, I think there's a another choice on Florida that that could come up, which is Mark Stahl. But old guy without a cup. Mm-hmm. This is you know, you're you're talking now yeah. about a guy who's been in the league, he's 36 years old, been in the league 16 seasons, I think. No Stanley Cups. Um and I I could absolutely see him being the guy. And then of course he can then hand it off to his brother as well, which is, you know, gets you that, that whole nice moment. So he's my favorite right now. I have no problem with it being Sergei Borovsky, but uh, it would be the, it would be a all time first. If you saw a captain hand the Stanley cup directly to a goaltender. The hmm. uh, old guy with the cup thing for Vegas, by the way, the two oldest players on the golden Knights without a cup are Marcia. So and McNabb. So yep. they, they yeah. fit that also. They, when, when I did my old guy without a cup ratings, the only team that I didn't have anywhere was Vegas because they didn't have anyone old enough to, right. to qualify. They're, so they're both only their 32. Guys already won. Yeah. 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 Kessel and quick. And even the guys that aren't part of it, Mart- Martinez, Petrangelo, they've all yeah, won. Yeah. 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 That's a good, good point. Well, listen, Jesse, we are really looking forward to all your coverage here. Uh, in the next 10 days to two weeks, because this should be hopefully fingers crossed fun Stanley cup final. Uh, we look forward to all of your uh, your coverage here and, and certainly your, your podcast stuff next week too. So thanks for dropping by the Thursday pod as always. Uh, good luck with the finals and uh, yeah, we'll be following along. Thanks guys. Should be fun. All right. Uh, there goes Jesse Granger. Uh, as we're recording this, Brad Treliving is about to do his press conference. So like you said earlier, Treliving, uh, I'm sure there'll be something that is said that gets blown out of proportion, but mm-hmm. First of all, we were talking about Dubas. Is that some elite trolling by Pittsburgh to announce Dubas like within 30 minutes of the Treliving press conference? See, I, w- I would have gone five minutes before. I feel like somebody lost their nerve. Somebody, they tiptoed right up to the line and then uh, and then backed off. But uh, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty solid. And now yeah. we sit and wait and see who in Toronto follows Kyle Dubas to, uh, to Pittsburgh. Yeah, Jason Spezza being the obvious one, but yeah, again, we'll see what mm-hmm. uh, what happens. So, you know, I I got to get your take on on True Living taking over. And look, I think the obvious thing that you wonder about is, hey, this guy couldn't retain a couple of high end American stars in Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk in mm-hmm. Calgary, and now he's potentially got the same uh, conundrum here with Austin Matthews, and and I wonder. Does that experience in Calgary with Gaudreau and Kachuk, like, does that prepare for living for this? I'm sure he'll be asked about this, but I, I just want your opinion of, you know what, this guy's actually been down this road, and maybe he, know, even though it, the outcome maybe wasn't ideal, he knows how to handle it. Uh, well, I don't know. What, I mean, what do you think? Does he? I, I mean, th- this is this is what you would look at, right? If you if you were trying to take the pessimist view of Brad for living, you would say, okay, uh, look look at what needs to be done with the Leafs. They've got to get the American franchise player extended. Uh, same situation he faced with Johnny Gaudreau. Didn't get it done. Lost him for nothing. Worst case scenario. Uh, they've got a situation where a guy like a Marner or a Nylander, maybe you feel like you've got to trade one of these wingers in his prime um, to to break up the mix. Well, had a different situation last year where he, he had to trade a winger in Matthew Kachuk. That trade, at the time, we thought had gone great for Calgary, but in yeah. hindsight doesn't largely because the guys who came in, he immediately gave them contracts that, uh, you know, that, that he, uh, 
that now look awful, right? So, I mean, even if you're not trading guys out of the core, a bunch of those guys need new contracts. You're bringing in a GM who the last big contract he signed, disaster. So, uh, you know, if if you are one of those Leaf fans who by your nature tends to be a pessimist, got lots of fuel here. Now, the flip side is, look, that this guy with a lot of experience, that was obviously a key thing for them and and had yep. some success. I mean, if timing's everything, right? It, a year ago, if the Toronto Maple Leafs had suddenly just announced, hey, Brad Living's our new GM, a lot of people would have said, wow, what a heist. Fantastic. The, the, the season, the flames are coming off, everything he's built. Fantastic pick. Um, you know, he's a smart guy. He'll, uh, it, it, it just, given how it all went down with Kyle Dubas, this, as many, many people have pointed out, this feels like the safe pick. It feels like it, it, he was the first choice all along. Like it was almost his job from day one. Um, they talked to other people, I guess, but, uh, it, it just feels like they went the safe road here. We'll find out. I mean, sometimes, sometimes safe is fine, especially when you've got a team that's already pretty good, you know, doing real well in regular season. That's it's a much better roster than most. But yeah, boy, you you wonder if you're going to look back and say like, you know, they just they 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 took the the path of least resistance at a time where it was time to be big and bold. Yeah, but I, I guess my question is like, how much of a fundamental change is it if? Keith is back, if Keith is back, uh, if the core four are back, and the only thing you changed out was the GM, like, how do you not roll into next season yeah. thinking this is the same DNA, right? Yeah, especially, I, I mean, the, the when when the Dubas news broke, I, among other people, tweeted out like, okay, well, now we know Sheldon Keith isn't going to be back, clearly. Oh, apparently not. It, it, now there's reports that he might be back. I, I will tell you the one thing, and we won't really get into it just because as we're having this conversation, the press conference is about to start. So by the time people hear us having this conversation, press conference has already happened. I, I'm just going to tell you the one thing I don't want to hear. Absolutely do not want to hear from Brad True Living, which is, gosh, guys, I'm going to need some time to, to sort this out, get my feet under me, get, you know, maybe this, maybe this isn't the time for changes. I, I'm going to take my time. Gonna get to know people. Gonna get to you know maybe it don't. I, we don't have time to kick the can down the road. We don't have time to punt. This is the, right out of the typical GM playbook. Is the whole like you get hired and you immediately say I, I can't even do anything for a year. Apparently, until I've shaken the hand of every janitor who works at the company, I can't be expected to do the job I'm hired for. I don't want to hear that from this guy. I want to hear I'm ready to hit the ground running, and yep. I'm ready to make you know my phone's. I'm ready to take phone calls today because if there's any sort of like, hey, everyone, I'm going to need patience. I'm going to need time. Then we hired the wrong guy because um, it was known. Part of this job was you got to hit the ground running. And if he's not ready to do it, then uh, that, that'll be a big strike against him right away. Let us open up the mailbag, as we always do on the Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show with a uh, reminder you can reach us at all times with uh, email at the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 845-445-8459. So last week, we talked about, uh, you know, sports memorabilia, hockey memorabilia. If you could if you could take one piece of sports memorabilia uh, or equipment that ruined or hurt your life as a sports fan and destroy it, 
what would it be? I, I like I asked you, what would you do with that Gretzky high? Like if you got the stick that Gretzky used to uh, clip Doug Gilmore in the '93 playoffs in Game Six, um, what would you do? Would you destroy it? Would you, you know? So I like this one from Phil because I'll be honest, I did not know the backstory on this one. Mm-hmm. Phil is a Winnipeg Jets fan, and Phil says the thing I would want to destroy, no question, the box of popcorn from Game Six of the Winnipeg Edmonton series. So. Basically, what happened was the Jets are up three games to two in the series. They were down three nothing in this game six, but they roar back to score three goals. They tie the game at three. Winnipeg Arena is going off. All the momentum is on Winnipeg's side. And then an Oilers fan, angry at the turn of events, angry at the officiating, throws a box of popcorn onto the ice. The ensuing delay in which they had to clean up the popcorn, pick up the box, all that stuff, gives the Oilers an inadvertent timeout. And according to people who are at the game, all the momentum gets sucked out of the building. All the three-goal momentum, it's gone. The Oilers score the game-winning goal. They win game six. They win game seven. And and this guy, Phil, even sends us a link here, Sean. Uh, The Winnipeg Film Group, they actually did a little documentary about this box of popcorn that changed the trajectory of the Jets and the Oilers. I'll be honest, I didn't know about this. Yeah. Did you? No, I, I did not Not at uh, this level of detail. I, I My big memory from that series is the the Dave Ellett double overtime winner to put them up 3-1. Uh, yeah. Because that, uh, uh, that was on the... That was in the uh, Rock'em Sock'em video that year. And uh, no, I didn't, I didn't know the whole popcorn story. That's... Uh, that's something, though. That's uh, you know, the, that's the sort of thing that, yeah, absolutely. You, you want either you want the box of popcorn or you want the fan that threw it. That would be the other. I'm 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 amazed we haven't gone back and Zapruder filmed the footage of that game to find whoever threw the popcorn because, boy, that would uh, that'd be a hell of a story. Eh? Oh, imagine that tracking that guy down. Uh, Anthony in Ottawa has a question for us. Hey guys, assuming Sergey Bobrovsky wins the Stanley Cup, maybe even the Conn Smythe. Let's project out to the Russian Olympic team, if there is one, and he can play. If you were putting a roster together, does Sergei Bobrovsky make Team Russia? That's from Anthony in Ottawa. And yeah. it's actually and, a legitimately good question. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. You know, with the caveat that this is obviously an extreme hypothetical, I, I yeah. don't think we're going to see a Team Russia no. in the Olympics anytime soon. But um, you know, where where would you put him? And it sounds like it's it's the sort of question... That when you first hear it, you go, oh, yeah, you know what? This guy's the hottest goalie in the world right now. It, and, uh, you know, if he gets that cup, he's probably in there, right? But then you remember the three guys ahead of him. So we're talking Shesterkin, Vasilevsky, Sorokin. I, I don't see short of, you know, four straight shutouts in the Stanley Cup final. I don't think you're nudging those three guys out, are you? No. Yeah, it's, it's, so. it's, I never even would have thought of that. Uh, but yeah, it's a great, again, very hypothetical based pretty, on, and, on, I mean, based on the playoffs this year, Vasilevsky yeah. is the guy who probably looks a little weak on that, uh, <laughs> out of that threesome. So well, that you know, maybe by the time the Olympics roll around me, like I would put it this way, he would put himself back into the discussion that he probably wasn't even part of, uh, two months ago, but that's as far as I'll know. Okay. One more here from Bailey who uh, writes in last week, we were chatting about, Hey, why is Salt Lake city all of a sudden on the radar for expansion and Bailey writes in uh, 
Big fan from Salt Lake City. Very excited to hear you guys chatting about the option of Salt Lake City as the new home for the Coyotes. An NHL team here is my dream. I'm biased, of course, but an NHL team I think would thrive. A couple of things we've got going on for us. We have an ECHL team that is very well attended. Uh, we have two potential arenas here, including the Maverick Center, where the O2 Olympics were held. Uh, the Delta Center, home of the Utah Jazz. It would need to be renovated, but uh, team owner Ryan Smith is certainly motivated to do that. The metro area is about two and a half million. Um, goes on to say there's a yearly preseason game uh, that's held here called Frozen Fury. It's always well attended. I think last year was around 14,000. Uh, I see uh, stickers, jerseys, license plate holders, t-shirts everywhere for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, and uh, anyway, long story short, says Bailey, I think we've got some support here for Salt Lake City and the NHL. That, so there you go. That sounds context. good. But, but how funny would it be if uh, if that was ready to go and then like Vegas stepped in and was like, no, that's our no, territory. That's our territory. We're not letting, we're slamming the door behind us. We talked about them being the hated team. Wouldn't that be great to have them pull the, uh, pull the, the Leafs act on Hamilton, except uh, the slam in the door on this is, this is our territory, man. Sorry. What's the rule? Is it nine? Is it 90 kilometers? Is that the I rule? I don't know if there's a if, if it's even a formal rule or if it's just yeah, I think, kind of a I think it is. I, somewhere. Uh, yeah, I thought it was. And weirdly, I, although that might be weird that it's in kilometers, but uh, the, the 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 figure okay. of ninety kilometers is is in my head for some reason. But anyway, yeah, you might be right. Maybe it's not a get, get uh, Bruce McGall in here to come up That's with right. a deal. That's right. Uh, okay, uh, a little this week in hockey history. June first, nineteen ninety six. June first, nineteen ninety six. The Florida Panthers. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Final. Winner goes to the Stanley Cup. The Penguins, of course, they got Mario, Yaramir, Ronnie Francis, and they're all in their prime, and Tom Barrasso's the goalie. And guess what? Florida Panthers shocked the world. Mm -hmm. Tom Fitzgerald, the game-winning, series-winning goal about midway through the third period. Florida Panthers stunned the Pittsburgh Penguins, hold them to one, count them one goal, John Van Breesbrook makes 39 saves. The Panthers beat the Penguins. We don't get a Mario versus a Mario and, and Yager against Sackick and Forsberg Cup. Instead, we get the Panthers and the Avs. Yep. And, and I have made the case before this was the result that brought us the dead puck era. Everybody blames the 95 Devils for the trap, but. Yeah, the 95 Devils were hard to score on with Martin Broder, Scott Stevens, and Scott Niedermeyer on the back end. The Florida Panthers are the team that showed everyone that you could just clutch and grab and tackle. And look, they were playing by the rules as far as how the rules were enforced and interpreted at the time. So I'm not blaming the Panthers. But they were the evidence that you could take a team of Scott Mellenby and Tom Fitzgerald and Dave Lowry. And yeah, Brian Scrudland, exactly. <laughs> and get to, and you could beat the Pittsburgh Penguins by just tackling guys. Um, and this is the result that A, cost us what would have been one of the great Stanley Cup final matchups ever, and B, sentenced us to 20 years and counting of defense, defense, defense is the only because Because back then, you know, hey, when the Devils won the Stanley Cup, if I'm an owner, I'm calling my GM and going, let's do that. And he's going, okay, well, I just need three Hall of Famers uh, yeah. on, uh, you know, on the back end. When the Panthers make the final, I'm calling him and going, why am I paying $10 bucks to all these uh, these 50 goal scorers 
when I yeah. can just have a bunch of guys who who clutch and grab and uh, and and play defense and block shots, man, absolute worst outcome probably in in modern hockey history as far as what it did for the league. Yeah, so that was 27 years ago today. 27 years ago, June 1st, Tommy Fitzgerald with the goal. And then and one now other... the Florida Panthers, you guys have your chance to make amends because you've got a fun, exciting, high-scoring exactly. team. Uh, you guys go and win the cup and you can un undo maybe some of that damage that you did all those years ago. Well, 27 year run bookended by these two things. But uh, the other one I want to bring up real quick, June 1st, 2014. So just uh, nine years ago, although I guess in some ways it feels like yesterday, in other ways, yeah, nine years feels about right. Alec Martinez in overtime, the Kings beat Chicago game seven of the Western Conference final, a series that I think, Sean, a lot of us would say is the best playoff series in the salary cap era. Yep. Uh, I would say, and, and, uh, Boy, we were talking last week about like who's had the best clutch week. Uh, not quite a week here, but Alec Martinez, oh, yeah, 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 doing that and then scoring the OT winner in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, just a few weeks later, that was something else. A few other people, by the way, reached out and said Paul Henderson. Um, if oh, we're talking hockey, ever, not yeah. the NHL, that's a great call. But yeah, that was that series. The the amazing thing is that series ended in Game Seven overtime, and I don't even think that was the best game. That it was Game, game Five, right? Was the Game One Five? The five, first yeah. overtime period. It was a double overtime game, um, but the first overtime period. That is the greatest hockey I've ever seen in yeah. the from the NHL, at least in the modern era. Just back and forth. I think they played the twenty minute period in twenty six minutes um, and, of and, and real that was time. Kane, pa Patty Kane with the overtime winner. I in game five. Yeah, you know that that sounds right. Um, but that it, just that period, back and forth, almost no whistles. And the other thing I remember about it, at least up here in Canada, Bob Cole was on the call. And this oh. was, you know, towards the end of Bob Cole's stellar career. But, I mean, it was like watching an old gunslinger just find his fastball at the exact right for one last time. He was absolute 10 out of 10, A-plus on that call. It was just, it, 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 if, if you have one period to ever show somebody to turn him into a hockey fan, that First overtime at game five between those two fantastic teams. Um, so good. So, so oh, good. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I think that was the best series I've seen ever uh, in, in salary cap era, uh, for sure. All right. That does it for the Thursday edition of the pod. Uh, listen, I'm off next week. As I said, literally, as I hit stop hitting record here, yep. I am uh, heading overseas for a, get a little getaway. get on a plane away. as we announce the surprise winner of the... Yeah. Uh, the one that I didn't write. Yeah. Yep. I'll just write three. It'll be, I'll be. Well, sorry. luckily the good news is like, you don't have to worry about a mystery celebrity coming in because literally every famous person has already been linked with one of these groups. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, there's, <laughs> there's nobody left. No, they're all aligned with some, some group in, in yeah. some way, shape or form. But anyway, so uh, listen, enjoy the cup final. Enjoy the pod next week. I'll be back, you know, the following week after that. But uh, I, I don't know. Like, do you think, not that my wife would ever want me to seek this out. Uh -oh. Do you think that anywhere in Italy, I could go to like a pub, a bar and say like, put on, I know there's a time difference. So I, I guess it probably wouldn't work because it'd be the middle of the night. Anywhere that I could go and watch like Florida, Vegas, Stanley Cup. There's got I don't you think always so, right? hear or, it yeah. feels like every city in North America has the secret hockey bar. 
that like only the yeah. real fans know. It, it feels like for a whole country, there's got to be one. Somebody reach out and uh, tweet that Somebody, at Ian. Not that yeah. he'll necessarily see. Do it. not copy my wife on the tweet. Uh, yeah, just, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't tag yeah, her it, in the tweet, but just just me. Anyway, yeah. tweet it at me, and I'll yeah. subtly pass it on. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll find a way. What is the the hockey bar in uh, in Italy? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, look, uh, enjoy the week. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to the Thursday Pod. Uh, again, email us any of the questions that you have. Like I said, toss us your questions if you could add. Uh, ask one to Gary Bettman or your thoughts on on anything we hit on here. Dubis to Pittsburgh, True Living in Toronto. Stanley Cup final, all of it. We love, love, love to hear from you. The Athletic Hockey Show. At gmail.com, you can also leave us a voicemail at 845-445-8459. You can also get a one-year subscription to The Athletic right now for $2 a month for 12 months. Visit athletic.com slash hockey show.